Hello, friends, and welcome back to Ghoul's Night Inn, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. So last week, Penny, you walked us through why tricks are associated with Halloween, and that gave me inspiration, and I wanted to follow that up with an episode about treats. Yay! (laughs) So we're going to talk about the history specifically of trick-or-treating and Halloween candy. Uh, And now trick-or-treating is kind of one of those things that has sort of murky origins. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of um, discrepancies and a lot of like conflicting theories about where it came from. There are lots of different things that resemble it throughout history, but no definitive answers about how it came to be as we know it today. Um, But we're going to walk through a few different possibilities and we'll see, (laughs) we'll uh, collect the information and you all can deduce your own, (laughs) your own (laughs) answers about it. Uh, So as most of us know, Halloween came from the early Celtic festivals of Samhain, which were celebrated on October 31st into November 1st. Um, That was believed to be the one night that the dead could return to the earth. And so people gathered around bonfires, made sacrifices of crops and livestock, and used these things to pay homage to the dead. Um, Now, I want to make note here that during the research for this, I feel like I got some clarity on your episode, Penny. Ooh. um, Because... As I was reading this, I was like, oh, duh, Samhain is a fire festival. Oh, yeah. Like, there There was lots of burning involved. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so I kind of had this moment like, oh, I bet that's kind of sort of how Devil's Night ended up translating uh, later. And then also it's like kind of funny because they're calling it Devil's Night and it's based in pagan stuff because, of course, they're doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But also, it was not uncommon, even in this time, which here we're looking at 2000 years ago, you know, this is a long, long time ago. Um, And even during this, it was not uncommon for people to play pranks. And then they would blame it on the fact that the spirits were wandering the earth. And they'd be like, ah, those rascally spirits (laughs) did that to poor James's house. Uh, during some of these celebrations of Samhain, villagers would then disguise themselves in costumes made of animal skins to drive away rascally spirits and would put out banquet tables that were set out to appease any angry or unwelcome entities. This later evolved into people dressing up as ghosts, demons, and other spooky creatures and would perform, uh, they would perform in exchange for food and drink. Sound familiar? Hey. Uh, So this custom was known as mumming, Mm -hmm. which dates back to the Middle Ages and is thought to be the precursor of trick-or-treating by a lot of people. Um, But mumming and wassailing are both prominent Christmas time activities as well. So um, we don't necessarily know that these were specifically tied to Samhain or Halloween. We just love to go to people's houses and ask them for things. <laughs> like I feel, I feel like that's just the answer. That's, that's the answer. <laughs> well, but then we're going to put a different spin on it as Christianity takes over. Um, mm. so, <laughs> what, 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 what are the Christians thinking about this? <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> so in the ninth century, obviously, many pagan and Celtic traditions were then co-opted by Christian counterparts to um, make them more palatable for Christian uh, consumption 
So uh, in 1000 AD, the church designated November 2nd as All Souls Day. I believe we've talked about that on the pod before um, for to be a, a time for honoring the dead. Now, <laughs> celebrations in England resembled Samhain, but of course were very like straight-laced and different. Um, they did still have bonfires and masquerades, but... <laughs> Here's where I was like, yeah, that feels right. Uh, they would have poor people. <laughs> it's not funny. I'm, 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 I'm frowning in consternation already. <laughs> it's just so truly bizarre. So they would have poor people visit houses of rich people. Uh-huh. And they would give them food, specifically soul cakes, mm-hmm. uh, which are like a shortbread cookie made with spices and and sweet spices and usually have like a a top on them that is a cross of like currants or raisins Mm -hmm. um so they would give these poor hungry people a a biscuit basically in exchange for them promising to pray for the souls of the homeowner's dead relatives (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) like yeah you can have food poor starving person but first promise you're gonna say a prayer for uncle jerry (laughs) it's like ah my great aunt jane (laughs) please think of her while you eat this cookie as if like we don't need to be praying for the people that are starving and are right in front of us anyway oh just again felt very correct Um, but this practice was called souling and uh, ended up down the line being taken up by children who would then go from door to door asking for gifts and food and money and ale. Uh, you know, like children do, asking <laughs> you <know>. for ale <laughs> <laughs> because it's old times and we're giving children alcohol. Uh, in Scotland and Ireland, young people took, a, took part in a tradition called guising which was just dressing up in costume and then uh, same thing, accepting offers Mm -hmm. from various households. But rather than pledging to pray for the dead, they would sing a song, recite a poem, tell a joke, or perform some sort of trick (laughs) uh, before collecting their treat, which uh, their treats typically consisted of fruits, nuts, coins, things like that. Some good, some good loose nuts from strangers. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm gl- I'm glad to hear that the practice of sometimes I would get like a little baggy with some dimes in it when I was trick or treating. Uh, You're like, so mom, I'm- I got a dime bag. She's like, what? Exactly, right. I'm glad to know it has historical context. I don't think I ever got anything like that while trick or treating. Uh, I think that was I I was always super hyped about that. Like some like sometimes you would get like some pennies. But there would be like one house that had dimes and I was just like, I'm rich now. I'm, I'm a wealthy woman. <laughs> I think the only thing I ever remember getting that wasn't necessarily candy was like a, a those miniature boxes of like sun-made raisins. Oh, yeah. Um, Or they would have like the, the yogurt covered raisins. But that's, I don't think I ever got like, I know some people got like little toys or like money. I don't think I ever got anything like that. Uh, but I'm glad you brought up getting pennies, Penny, (laughs) um, because this is something really interesting that came up in my research that I I didn't know anything about this. Well, I guess not nothing because, uh, 
a lot of stuff came up about Guy Fox Day. Mm. And obviously, like any young angsty teen, I saw V for Vendetta <laughs> too many times. Of course. Of course. I, I do indeed remember remember the 5th of November. Um, so yeah, I didn't know nothing about it, but I had uh, no real concept of the like history or tradition yeah. surrounding that film. So in England, um, November 5th, or Bonfire Night, was celebrated in the early 19th century to commemorate the foiling of the gunpowder plot in 1605. Uh, so if you've seen V for Vendetta, Guy Fox was a, a vigilante, more or less, um, and he was executed for his role in a Catholic conspiracy to uh, blow up England's parliament and remove the Protestant King James from power. Uh, and so then people took his execution day and said, we should celebrate that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so, history is so weird. Can you imagine if we had like a day where we like celebrated Osama bin Laden's death? Like I just, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I always, I mean, this is, I, I'm, yeah. I apologize to all of our, our English listeners, but I was always kind of like, wait, so are we pro, like the bonfires, like, are we pro blowing up parliament or are we anti? <laughs> well, like let me, let me tell you, <laughs> um, because they are, they are um, very uh, anti because, like I said, the, the um, conspiracy was led by the Catholics. And so the bonfires, which of course, as we've talked about in like our uh, Bel Beltane episode and things, used to be called bonefires, um, were lit and they would burn like statues and little effigies of yeah. Fox. And then they would also burn like symbolic bones of the Catholic Pope. <laughs> <laughs> uh i just i i i'm this is like like you said in olden times i'm like i know that this was like real serious for you guys but like just imagining <laughs> being like ooh, and then i'm gonna throw in the bones and i'm gonna be like these are the pope's bones i'll show I that you oh. were i wish you were in the fire pope like okay <laughs> i i also though like i'm sitting here like a full ass witch and then being like oh, that's so stupid you're pretending you're burning bones <laughs> uh i just think it's like dark though like children were taking play like part in these in these yeah, ceremonies it's, it's pretty 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 deep wild but then Point being, getting to the penny aspect, um, by the early 19th century, children would like roam through the streets carrying their little effigies of Guy Fox and would ask uh, people for a penny for the guy and you would <laughs> give them pennies. Um, now, I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you're a, a, a listener who uh, grew up around, well, you wouldn't. Not the ideas, but you know, if you're familiar, but I don't know how long this went on. I don't know. Yeah, if yeah. Like something that you know ended up translating to later dates, but if you, if this, yeah, or if like your life, grandpa told you about it, and you have like uh, context for why guy needed pennies, let us know. Maybe just because he was a prisoner. I don't. Are, so are they pen? Are they pennies for guy, or are you like? 
like a penny for your thoughts like can you you can buy my guy for a penny oh maybe it just said penny for the guy was what they said that it didn't there yeah. that was the the context that uh the history channel article offered yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but so yeah lots of different things around uh early europe that resemble trick-or-treating but mm-hmm. aren't quite uh, so how did it come to america because obviously the puritans who first came here to colonize america were protestant and therefore hey. were not super into halloween <laughs> uh, <laughs> protestants famously anti-halloween but they um, should have been into burnham pope bones <laughs> um but in the similar era, time frame mid 19th century we saw a of course large influx of immigrants to america uh, especially those from ireland who were impacted by the potato famine at the time mm-hmm. and so with them they brought a lot of their folklore and traditions thanks ireland and their cabbage pranks as and, we their, discussed ca- last, last <laughs> and week. their cabbage pranks uh, those crazy irishmen uh, so they bring along Uh, a lot of their traditions which are based in pagan traditions and we start seeing sprinklings of halloween throughout or sawin at that time throughout uh america by the 1920s it was full underway in the states and uh though you know this refer back to our last episode not what we think of today yes most people at this place were opting for celebration by way of pranks and eventually extreme violence as we get into the great depression (laughs) that exacerbates people being in a real bad mood um so it is kind of theorized again there's no written documentation of this anywhere but that as we go into the 1930s trick-or-treating is adopted as a strategy to prevent children from doing doing crimes <laughs> we gotta find ways to make the youth stop vandalizing everything and what a better way than to give them lots of sugar uh so handing out treats starts gaining popularity until world war ii um then of course due to the rationing of sugar and lots of other things uh, there were few treats to hand out and so it kind of stopped for a bit but it came back with a force uh, after the war and once rationing had ended and candy was readily available again we saw a rapid increase in trick-or-treating we're also seeing lots of suburbs being built at that time mm-hmm. period and so it becomes really easy for kids to travel from house to house on foot and that really fueled the the uprising of this um and <laughs> by the 1950s which is of course what we really think of as Halloween is like starts in the 1950s. Uh, Halloween imagery, merchandising, all that started to be reflected in stores. We're seeing more consumerism, costumes are being mass produced. Um, And actually I didn't know this, Halloween got so like popular and Americanized that uh, Mamie Eisenhower was the first person to decorate the White House for Halloween in 1958. (laughs) Nice. She really went all out too. She did like a a house staffer meeting and like decorated the dining room with skeletons (laughs) and like 
disembodied witch heads and crap. Nice. <laughs> she really hit the floor running. I was like, good for you, Mamie. <laughs> right. I'm I, I'm a longtime fan of her pink paint, so yes. I will. <laughs> I'm glad she's also a Halloween fan. You've heard of Paris Green. Get ready for Mamie <laughs> Pink. Uh, although, like we've mentioned, it's kind of unknown where that phrase trick or treat got coined along the way mm-hmm. um we know for sure that it was firmly established in american pop culture by 1951 uh, that's when we see the peanuts comic strip where we see charlie brown and friends trick-or-treating and he gets a rock oh rock. Uh, and then in 1952 disney produced the cartoon trick-or-treat featuring Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Donald, yes. <laughs> Donald's nephews. Um, so we know by the early 50s that term was really in circulation. Um, there are uh, mentions of it that are kind of used slightly different um, as early as 1927 in a lot of Canadian newspapers for some reason. (laughs) Um, But early 50s is when we start seeing it really used as like Halloween jargon. Yeah. Then uh, by the 1970s, wrapped candy becomes kind of the only acceptable thing to hand out to kids. before that as we've mentioned we're handing out dime bag well bags full of dimes <laughs> and loose nuts <laughs> loose nuts and candy and all kinds or uh, cookies and treats and things um but a lot of parents in the 70s start fearing the idea that people are going to tamper with candy that is not store-bought or sealed now there are no recorded incidents <laughs> of mm-hmm. children being poisoned by strangers uh on halloween but over the last i mean since the 70s i heard that as a kid growing up even, oh yeah you yeah, know and sure. i think that is still a lot of people believe that could be a, a possibility it's very exaggerated um but there are two halloween poisoning cases that may have led to this belief um, that happened both in the 70s. Um, in 1974, an eight-year-old boy in Houston, Texas, died after eating a pixie stick laced with cyanide. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, as it always is in true crime, his father was the culprit. <laughs> Boo. Um, his father, who had also recently taken out like a ginormo life insurance policy on his son and daughter. Um, and the daughter was also he attempted to poison the daughter also but she didn't eat it <laughs> she uh, was like i don't even like pixie sticks right <laughs> um, jokes on you dad was later convicted of murder um and also not to make like it about something it's not but also like pixie stick is a packaged candy people <laughs> right yeah it's like, like where what <laughs> your, your your concern remains someone yeah. could definitely tamper with something that's packaged right um and then in 1970 a five-year-old boy in detroit passed away after ingesting a large amount of heroin um and the drug was found sprinkled on his halloween candy but it was later discovered through the investigation that the family had put it there in order to throw off investigators because uh, the boy had actually gotten into his uncle's heroin stash and mistakenly eaten it eaten it eaten it (laughs) uh and passed from an overdose so 
both situations caused by a family member uh, immediately related to the child and not had anything to do with strangers or candy really whatsoever. So while these rumors are wildly false, uh, they were great news for candy companies who had <laughs> begin, began highly capitalizing on the consistent rise of Halloween hysteria. Uh, now, I would say, Penny, that we grew up kind of in the golden age of trick-or-treating. Like for it's, sure. You know, it's not really as prevalent anymore i mean people are still trick-or-treating for sure but um it feels like there are less and less people participating in it or like (laughs) trunk or treats are reigning supreme which i i have a bone to pick with trunk or treat (laughs) yeah (laughs) again not not here to hate on the the church (laughs) but that was started in the 90s by church groups uh to make halloween safer quote i don't like again i don't know i'm like people can still be bad at a trunk or treat i don't (laughs) i don't i don't know um but even though it seems like you know the the way in which people are trick-or-treating is definitely changing it certainly is not halting the consumerism around it no um during the 2022 halloween season the consumers of the United States spent about 3.1 billion U.S. dollars on candy. It's a multi-billion-dollar industry. Uh, a good portion of that money was spent spent on Reese's peanut butter cups, which <laughs> I was uh, literally about to say half of that was me buying. Reese's. <laughs> <laughs> they're oh, like, boy. they're like, we saw a strange spike in Milwaukee, Wisconsin <laughs> this year. Penny eating her Reese's pumpkins and Reese's bats. It's you, and then it's um, it's Miranda buying up all the witches brew kit cats yes. in in the entire state of Texas. Um, but yeah, apparently, according to the national distributor candy store, America's most beloved Halloween candy is a Reese's peanut butter cup. Uh, I take so I take it that is your favorite Halloween candy. Yes, although notable specifically, I like the uh, the Reese's shapes because it is a different different chocolate to peanut butter ratio. Yes, it's a different ratio, so absolutely yes. And I would like I I am a Reese's fan year round, but I'm especially excited to get like funky holiday shapes. See, I'm the inverse of that, where I actually yeah. don't like the shapes because That's I fair. want them to have more of the chocolate on the outside. I feel like the it's there's they're too thick when they're the shapes it's like all peanut butter for me and i'm not it is it's a lot of peanut butter but taylor's a shapes boy (laughs) (laughs) uh where am i oh yes so (laughs) (laughs) most of the candy sold is chocolate i am a kit kat girl myself oh i love a kit well see that's the real the real win is you can get the big bag of kit kats and reese's cups yeah that's taylor and i usually have a a i was gonna say that that's that's my all year round candy purchase (laughs) our date night bag (laughs) um but while most of it is chocolate candy corn uh, which was first manufactured in 1880 it also remains pretty strong in the game even though it consistently ranks as america's least favorite (laughs) halloween candy in polls um (laughs) this is an outrageous number to me 35 million pounds of candy corn are produced each year wow 
Um, of course, majority of that being sold at Halloween time. And that's uh, according to the National Confectioners Association. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> I uh, wonder if part of it is just like that you have to, like, you have to buy the whole bag. Oh, and, certainly. Like, like, and so, like, people probably eat, like, I eat, like, you know, a handful of candy corn. But yeah. I'm always like, oh, I should buy a bag of candy corn. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I have that's the Halloween equivalent of like a fruitcake. Yes. Like no one's eating it, but you have to buy it. I actually am eating it, but <laughs> I'm a I'm a candy corn like pro candy corn lobby over here. <laughs> yeah, I'm see I'm generally pro candy corn. I just always like forget that I have like I get it and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to eat this candy corn and then I put it in my cupboard and then i'm like ooh, my reese's <laughs> i get distracted yeah. well yeah and i'm certainly not eating the full like five pound bag or whatever of candy <laughs> corn that you have to buy um but i do make i don't even know what it's called where you mix it with like the peanuts and the m&ms oh yeah like a like a trail mix kind of kind of yeah kinda thing. I, I was gonna say i like i like a candy corn in like with pretzels so you get yeah, like yeah i gotta get the in salt there. in there absolutely so yeah, whether you opt for Penny's tricks or my treats on Halloween this year, uh, we both have a very storied history in the lore of our favorite holiday, and I am glad that you inspired me to do this episode. This is one of the most, for me, this has been one of the most like interesting and fun research I've done in a while. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed learning about. The, I'm so glad the history of both. Yeah, when I was when I was obviously researching for the trick episode, it talked about trick or treating a lot, and I was like, mm, "That's got to be its own thing." Like it's that's its that's, whole... a, that's its own episode. Yeah, a lot of I, I could tell that we had read a lot of the same articles because yes. like I was reading through it and it'd be like Cabbage Night and I was like, oh, okay, well, mm. <laughs> we're really there might be some overlap here, but all in the all in the spirit of learning. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening today. I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, that this obviously we batch record these, but I believe this is our first October episode airing right now. Oh, if, yeah, I believe so. So if if I'm correct, happy October. Happy October. <laughs> uh, it is Halloween time, and I'm excited that we got to share some very Halloween-specific history with you today to start Spooky Season outright. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast and you would like to let us know about it, please feel free to leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen. Uh, if you cannot leave a review where you listen to us. You can always DM us on Instagram, leave a Spotify comment, or, uh, I mean, heck, send us an email if you really want to. <laughs> just <laughs> just let us know, and then we might read it right here on the pod. I believe Penny has one to share with us today. I do. Uh, this Instagram review comes from Kelsey, the K-Shrub. Um, starts off with five emoji stars. Um, it says, officially in mourning. I found this podcast a few months ago and have been binge devouring it, and I just finished the latest episode. So I'm officially caught up, and I'm already in my wardrobe picking out my morning garb because I'm feeling like one of those crazy Victorians. <laughs> Listening to Penny and Midge has been such a delight and comfort. They are so easy to listen to. I feel like I'm chatting with old ghoul friends. Your wonderful personalities blended with acute research makes each episode a concoction of spooky whimsy. I will continue to await the next episode while perched atop my widow's walk. My silken raven hair tangling in the wind. You both have my heart. 
I'm going to give that review 10 stars. Right? Oh, I was so delighted. Thank you so much, Kelsey. <laughs> also, uh, that brought up an opportunity to chat about the fact that uh, I want to thank you all, well, we both do, for all your purchases of our yes! new merchandise are those crazy Victorians shirts and sweatshirts and bags. Um, y'all have really shown up and been sending us beautiful lovely photographs of you in the new merch so cute y'all look so cute uh i'm just i'm so thrilled that you guys like it so much we we also love it so (laughs) i'm wearing it right now (laughs) uh so if you'd like to check that out you can find that uh, at midgemonster.com slash shop all of our merch is over there and if you'd like to follow along with us you can find us on instagram at ghouls night in pod and if you're looking for me, you can find me at Midge Munster. And you can find me at Penny Snark. And until next time, good. good.